can't we just vote on who had the best, like the most fun? Like, shouldn't we just be happy that like people made fun games? Who made the most friends along the way? Yeah. Why can't it be enough? I learned a lot about I learned a lot about myself and my body through games this year. Thank you. I I don't care so much about the self, but I do want to know more about the body. Yeah. Yeah. It's just some. I so I used to fake sick in school a lot, and so like I went to health class like one or two times. And so there are some places that I thought the hair was wrong to have it there. Mm-hmm. But as it turns out, it's fine. And I learned I learned that one through Final Fantasy VII Remake Retro, whatever <laughs> the fuck it's called. <laughs> it was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. I, I know I skipped talking about that one because it's extremely private, talking about my private hair. Yeah, this I, I get show it. is more sexual than ever, and I love this new direction. It's just hair, Justin. It's natural. Everyone's got it. Not everyone. Hmm? And for, for me, uh, this Battlefield 2042 that helped me learn about <laughs> my my growing body <laughs> and its its needs <laughs> and its urges. Now that that is a Battlefield moment if I have <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best games of the year. My name is Griffin McElroy. I know the best game of the year. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and remember when we only did this episode each year? My name is Russ Farshick, and I know the best game of the week. Welcome back to the Besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment. It is a video game club, and just by listening, you, my friend. I've become a member. Welcome to the ranks. This is this is as close as we get to like a a gala <laughs> in the <laughs> year gala for the besties for a while. As plan alluded, this was the only episode of the besties that we did for a few years, but we kept the streak alive. I don't think have we missed a year of these? No, I don't think of so. Like the game of the year. I don't think we. I feel like we've at least done this every year. I, but anyway, I break out my ruffle shirt. And I, it hasn't been washed in 10 years, but it's still good. And, and it adds a little flair every time we Wait, record this. What? I want to pro- propose this to you guys. No bullshit. <laughs> that's, my, wow. that's my theme for this year's Game of the Year. No bullshit. Like, oh. just games. Games. You know what I mean? But, yeah. like, some trailers as well, right? No. Some exclusive <laughs> yeah. reveals? Yeah. Some awards <laughs> painted on the bodies of women. Yes, obviously. Yeah. Like, yes, naturally. That's one of those things that sounds uh, like it could be a joke, but actually it happened. We have a lot of people that? who don't know as much Yo, about the gaming yeah, industry. I, should, I, I forget that I'm uh, an elderly man. Yeah. I'll deal with my own mortality for this quick break. This episode of The Best These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so... You know, there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. 
It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. This is what I'm saying. No bullshit. We know what we're here to do. Yeah. This is going to be a fight. I love fighting with you guys. Mm-hmm. Fighting with my, I call it, you know what I call it? Fighting with my family. Oh, yeah. That's what I, that's <laughs> what I, I call it. I like that. it. We're, we've got a list of uh, 16 games that are going to go head to head in. How was the seating done this year, guys? Was it random or was it uh, thoughtful? First point, you did the seating. Yeah. I mean, I would say it was pretty thoughtful. So uh, the 12 games that we picked, right? Those were in the top 12 seeds. And then the the listener voted picks are the the final four of those seeds. And then you know with the top twelve, I just tried to put it by what I think has the best odds of making it to the end. Kind of like a, a you know of any sports seed, where like the best team is number one and the least likely to win team is number twelve or sixteen in this case. It should be noted though that the all of the games that the fans selected, I think except for one, were games that were in our individual top fives. So they were not like totally out of nowhere. These are all games that we really, really enjoyed. Um, Right. I would say all these games, I mean, even, even that one extra one is not, not one that we were against. No, sure. That's one we were into. Um, But, but let's get, let's get into it. Can we? Yes. Is that okay with you guys? Please. Yeah. Okay. Our first match. Oh boy. Metro Dread versus Loop Hero. Uh, I, have been looking forward to Loop Hero on Switch for a long time. I think I talked about it last week. Like I didn't know that it had come out on that day and Russ had mentioned uh, already been playing it. And so I downloaded it and about 30 minutes in, I realized I love, I do, I have loved this game, but also I don't really want to do all this stuff again. Like <laughs> it's, it's such a, it's design is extremely compelling like in terms of like upgrading your camp and unlocking things and unraveling this like story. Uh, But I I guess I didn't sort of think about the fact that that was not something that I necessarily wanted to repeat, which is, I would say mostly on me because I played a fucking lot of Loop Hero on on PC when it first came out. So it's a weird thing for me. Like I have this weird opposite of recency bias because I was kind of disappointed that it didn't have more staying power the next time I tried to pick it up. Yeah, I mean, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that you have to unlock so many of the features of that make the game super interesting that are basically onboarding features. Like, it makes sense that they're there, that you, uh, right. you know, know the systems and know how the different classes work and stuff like that. But if you're playing for the second time, having to get through that stuff could take five, six hours, probably. Yeah. 
And um, that could be, yeah, a little bit of a slog, but uh, the game itself, I think, is fabulous. I, I don't know yeah. that we can knock it necessarily because I think, you know, someone who's played a lot of it obviously will be at the end game where I think the game really kind of coalesces and bring, brings everything together. Um, I don't think it has much of a shot in this matchup against Metroid Dread, but I do think it is one of the most creative games I've played this year. Artistically awesome, visually really cool, uh, great like 8-bitty soundtrack. Just like, I mean, I, I literally can't think of another game that I can compare it to, which is a very I, rare thing. It's also great like, just chill like you want to if you're like want something to fiddle with while you're listening to something else or watching something or whatever it's like very kind of uh zen like it, there's you're not going to get a bunch of like huge surprises yeah if you zone out for for a minute or two like very little terrible stuff will happen to you usually like it's it's a it's a pretty relaxing sort of sort of thing i'll be the one to push this off the boat because it sounds like the three of you are not going to do it I disagree. I I push back, especially on the idea of it being artistically sound. I think it's a very clever game. I think the design is really smart. Um, but I did not feel worse after playing a video game this year than I did after Loop Hero because hmm. it felt so empty. And I think the problem for me is it's an idle game, but you actually have to pay attention to it. So it's like the mm. worst of both scenarios. It both is too slow and I can feel it sapping time while I'm quite literally doing nothing. But also I can't just leave it on to the background. So after I would play like an hour of this, I felt like I got, you know, a few minutes worth of positive video games and a lot of, oh my gosh, I can't believe so much time just got lost to this. I don't really know what yeah. I got out of it. it. That's that's fair. I will say for me, the the joy of this game, and this may be a condemnation as much as it is like a compliment, um, were the moments where I could like develop a build that would be more or less set it and forget it. Yeah, like developing a uh, you know playing as the warrior and getting like a bunch of vampirism and damage to all and regen. And once I do that, like, this is no longer going to be a run where I get some materials that I might be able to build, like, a supply depot with. It is a run where I'm going to come back as king shit of fuck mountain and, like, build, you know, a metropolis in this, like, shitty rundown camp because I just got, you know, infinite, like, upgrades. Yeah. So, like, getting, getting a big, chunky sort of... uh like overpowered run like that was was very satisfying but like Russ said it, it's going to take you a very very un, a long time to unlock like a lot of different types of cards before you can even approach something like that yeah and even then i because i had that same path then i did uh ignore it for a moment and then i lost while i was ignoring it yeah and like that was absolutely brutal um yeah. counterpoint metro dread just to very briefly uh it's like really really fantastic and accessible and a wonderful place to get onto the series if you've never played one and uh, introduces I okay trust, interesting trust me introduces like uh, a really nice ebb and flow with the the sort of like more horror or survival parts that I think in, make it feel a lot more varied and really break up the the monotony very nicely, um, and it's great. It is great, interesting great, great, that great, great, you great. say accessible because I have spoken to a lot of people that haven't 
that are like play games a lot, haven't played a lot of Metroid games necessarily and found it to be at times pretty impenetrable um, just because it doesn't give you a lot of direction. I love that about Metroid Dread, but it's, it is interesting that, um, I don't think, you, I guess what by accessibility, I meant you're no worse. I don't feel like you're worse off for having not played. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's probably true. Especially from a narrative you don't, perspective. Yeah. yeah. Like I mean, the narrative is basically nothing. I, I think it's the most modern, certainly of the Metroid. Sure. Games. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, literally. Yeah. <laughs> but before, before we send a uh, loop hero, uh, off into the sunset, I do want to say, I think it's very clever. I, 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 I even though it didn't click for me and I have my own guilt complex about how I spend my time, I do think it's very shrewdly designed almost. I think I think the visuals look great. I think um, Frush is right and that I haven't played something that uses the idle game format and this kind of like tactical format quite as well. Um, it... I mean, it's just going up against one of the best games of the year. That's that's like maybe the harshest thing about it. And and I think we should say just as a blanket statement, all the games we're going to talk about today are fucking great. Like, yeah. There's yeah. no there's, there's yeah. no game on this list that we're like, and it sucks. Like, if you want to hear us, ex, you know, expand upon their virtues, like listen to the episodes that are about these games because they were overwhelmingly positive. Right. Um. Congratulations, Metroid Dread. We'll talk more about you shortly once you've earned it. Uh. Yeah. The next one, this is the one I'm dreading. I'm, I'm, really? I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not it. looking forward to this one. Uh, we got Death's Gambit versus Wildermyth. Yeah, this Death's is Gambit suck. Afterlife. Death's Gambit Afterlife. Yes, that's important. Death's Gambit got launched in, I think, 2018. The Afterlife expansion came out this year, and it's what, like, completely sort of transformed it. Um, I'll start with Death's Gambit. Death's Gambit Afterlife is a, uh, 2D action platformer souls souls like e game that looks uh, I would say it's artistic design could best be described as um, it looks a lot like Dead Cells and that's a great thing like the the pixel art and everything like really pops uh, but it 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 does a lot of the same stuff that other games in this genre have attempted I'm talking about like blasphemous and um, God, what's the, what the Hollow Knight and uh, uh, Salt, Salt and Sanctuary. Sanctuary? Yeah, yeah. Where you have like incredible power to customize your character to have one that you know feels right for you. Like there's so many different ways to play the game, so many different builds that you can go for, and the world is very cool. The boss fights are incredibly well designed, uh, and it, it's the only game this year that I played and was just so. Uh, enchanted by that as soon as I finished it, I, I realized that I didn't get the ending I necessarily wanted. And instead of like reloading my save and doing something else, I just made another character and did it again and beat it in half the time, as is the case usually with these kinds of Souls-like games, uh, and enjoyed it even more my, my second time through. Uh, th- this is a genre that I personally like adore, uh, especially this game, which has a lot of sort of Metroidvania elements in it also. Uh, and while it doesn't necessarily do anything super new and, um, you know, no- noteworthy, I think it nails the execution on everything it does It does do. Uh, pretty astonishing. I, okay. I, it goes without saying I really love this game as well because I literally recommended it to y'all. I don't know that you would, would even have it on your radar necessarily because 
of, uh, without that recommendation. Why does it have to be this every time, Russ? Why is it always? I'm just saying. Be? You liked it you before it was credit. cool. I get it. Yeah. I liked yeah, it before yeah, you're it was into cool. it before it was cool, and now you're going to destroy it. Um, I think it's a, a, an incredibly good, may, maybe the best 2D Souls like I've played, uh, unless if you're counting Hollow Knight, which. If you're counting that, then Hollow Knight's better. Then but Hollow Knight's better. Yeah, what, even I will admit that. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's, it's extremely good. It, I would disagree with Griffin on the front of like, I think there are areas that it kind of screws up. Um, you know, no game is perfect, certainly. Um, I think Death's Gambit kind of screws up, even, even with the Afterlife expansion, kind of screws up a little bit more than it should, specifically in the areas of character, like advancement, the whole perk systems in areas kind of lacking the weapon options kind of, I don't know, light. There's only, uh, yeah, there, I will grant you that there's like five weapons in each different weapon type. Like there's, it is not, it's not Dark Souls itself where you can be like, oh, the sword of Ramses's broken heart <laughs> yeah. of the Abbey. <laughs> Um, I, you, you like those games. <laughs> I do. I love it. I love that dirty shit. That's what I'm saying. Is that that's a it's little just bit, not nasty enough for you? Well, yeah. It's that's cooler than Aldwin Greatsword plus four. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I you know I I really like it. I don't know that it's a game that will stick with me beyond like the six month span that I played the game. I probably played it like four months ago. Um, because it is just like a very well made game that you know it's it's very good it's it's a lot of fun yeah i find it me- mechanically pretty sound but i'm sitting here like struggling to recall I, details about this game i have like, a question I played it, you know maybe a month ago I, yeah. I i struggled to get into this game um which is like not a knock against it it's just not my type of game sure but at the, at the beginning of the game it like does that boot up where it's like initializing soul visualization like yeah. soul visualization.exe does it ever is there like some meta thing that happens later in the game that that connects to? Do you know what's funny? I've beaten the game twice and seen basically, I get the gist of what the endings all sort of propose. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, okay, yeah, there is, a, it gets it gets weird. I don't know how far Russ, how far, yeah. you, I know you got to like the weird sci-fi Yeah, yeah, shit. There, it, it gets weirdly sci-fi for a fantasy game at points. I can't like explicitly tell you where the pieces connect, but like it, it, it crosses genres. I, I would say it like narratively isn't great. There are no, certain, there's like funny moments, but it's very inconsistent narratively. Like where they'll, where they'll make like very goofy gags next to like very dark. I don't know. I, I, I think the gameplay is phenomenal and the boss fights are phenomenal. Art style, great. Just narratively, eh, it didn't yeah. land. It didn't really stick with me. I, I on the subject of like be, it being forgettable, I, I can see that. I also feel like this is a game that I will want to replay. At, yeah, at no, sure. It, um, I, I replay like the old Castlevania like advanced games like probably once every couple years, and this is the sort of game that I would like slot into that grouping. It um, sounds because like a it keep does your hands good. busy game. Like while you listen to a podcast or have something. Oh no, TV. it's way too fucking hard for yeah, you. It's have way too hard dialed yeah. in. It is really difficult. You'll get yeah. I, I, I just so. figured I was bad at it and that y'all were pros. I mean that too. That is possible. Um yeah. we should talk about Wildermyth, which is going oh, up yes. against Death Scamp. This is not how I expected this to go. We, I expected a, a like a more of a bloodbath here. We have not had an out a, a um, dedicated episode on Wildermyth. It kind of came right. out at a weird time. 
Um, it's a game that I think we've all kind of come to over the course of the last couple months, but not right at launch. Plant, you want to like do the very quick elevator pitch on what it is? Yeah, it, I, it's the best video game that captures the experience of D&D with a great dungeon master. Like even mm. more than Divinity Original Sin. And it, it's broken up into two parts. There's like the story beats where you are shaping your characters and making decisions. And then there's the tactical RPG bit where you're like dungeon crawling. Uh, the, the, like the combat is fine. I would say the best part is when you're a spell caster, you can like take control of objects in the world and you can upgrade your ability to do that. So you could really focus on taking over like plants or taking over um, furniture, uh, as an example, or fire. Uh, and all of that's good. It, it, it's, like, quite good. Um, but the storytelling stuff is really what I just find kind of astonishing in that this very, very, very small team, I think it's six people in Austin, um, did stuff that a lot of more established video game developers have been trying to do for a long time and not quite figuring out. Can you can you give like a? I, I don't know that I played. I I'll be honest. I did not play this game a ton, and I don't think that I played it enough to necessarily understand yeah. that how like it nails that that narrative element. Because for me, it just kind of felt. Yeah, like, I, I I'll like, give you a a, a, a a perfect example. So I had this character who she was like just kind of like piss and vinegar always starting trouble with the group you can make people antagonistic with your peers you know you could say like oh they should be friends or like oh they are rivals or, or enemies and she was definitely the outcast and very greedy so uh, at one point we stumbled into a tomb and after like having a battle i believe we found this uh purple gemstone and you know it's like very dnd it's irradiating all bad vibes and I was like, oh, you know what? She should just steal it. Like, let's just roll the dice and see what we get. Um, and the dice did not fall in her favor, really, uh, because the gemstone immediately implanted itself in her eyeball and hurt her quite a bit. I believe it took uh, some permanent health on her. So that's like a thing, right? Well, then as the game progresses, because time passes, you can get old, have children and die that purple gemstone started to take over her body. And I could say, like, don't do it. Just, like, let it stay there. She'll just be only, you know, she'll be operating with a gem in her eye. But I was like, no, let's go down this path. So at first, it turned her arm into a giant purple blade. Um, but once that happened, it just kept spreading across her body. So after that, it took over her legs. And she became heavier and could move slower. But she was, like, effectively a tank. Um, and on top of that, this character was already a spellcaster. So now I have a spellcaster who can, like, be a tank from far away. But if anyone gets close to her, she just, like, lops their head off with her giant purple arm blade. And that is what I am so impressed about the game. Even though the combat isn't great, it's the good. story it's and not. the combat interact with each other. So your yeah. decisions in the story are impacting your combat. And then in combat, I mean... Most of my characters, once I got to more challenging quests, die. And that takes a real number on the story to like to the point where you can have a character almost die um, and feel like they betrayed the party because the, the party had to run. So then that character just runs away for a chunkier story. And when they come back, they just don't talk anymore. Like, it's 
it's a truly bonkers game how much this this thing is doing yeah there i, I think there is a lot of um very cool algorithmic you know procedural stuff that's going on with the storytelling i think some of that is a little bit I don't think it's quite as magical as what you're saying. I think the game entirely relies on the strength of the writing, which is phenomenal. But I, I, you know, in addition to playing like the starter campaign, which, you know, all the events that you just talked about happened in my campaign as well. um, I played a game that was just um, procedural moments. And if you're just playing procedurally, there are a ton of scenes that will play out and you have to make inter- interesting decisions where like there's one character stuck in a cave. Do you help them out of the cave? Whatever. But it does not have like the necessarily the like anything can happen vibe that I sort of got from that first campaign because that campaign rightfully was really handcrafted. Every single area in that campaign was like a very carefully structured uh, encounter and event that sort of made yeah. it really, really special. I- I would I would hate to knock it for the procedural only stuff because there are like there are many campaigns. There the are not There's many not just campaigns. W- I'm sorry, there are three. There are three written campaigns and then a bunch of campaigns that are just procedural campaigns. I'm not knocking it for the procedural stuff. I think the game is built in such a way, it kind of reminds me of dreams. It's basically built in such a way that they are showing you the potential. Here are three campaigns or whatever it is that can show you like how good things can be it's up to you to make your own campaign and write your own thing. And then the community would then fill that in with a ton of additional stuff. Yeah. The issue right now is that the community is not very large. So I'm not finding a, I looked, there's not like a ton of fan made stuff, but I do think that it lays out and it gives you all the tools to do everything. You can design your own characters. You can design your own spells, write every encounter, animate every encounter. It's all in there. So it's an amazing toolkit I just hope that it gets the community support to fill in what six people on the team couldn't personally do reasonably. Um, it is an amazing, an amazing experience playing it. I really would recommend it to anyone that is like interested in D and D but can't get the logistics figured out with like a group of people. Just try this, and you will totally get why D and D is so special. Yeah, I, I think for this one, it, I think we move this one forward, and Justin and Griffin, y'all should give it another go before part two that's interesting fair. that's fair yeah i think that's okay i i feel about the same with both of these um so i am fine with with moving wildermyth on yeah that's uh, that would be my approach as well look at that look at Team us go work. next up oh man you got some drubbings in here huh bud these this one's gonna be a stinky guy <laughs> uh this next oh, matchup yeah? is hit Halo Infinite versus the Forgotten City. No, it's just going to make me sad because <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I don't know that we know which way this. Is yeah, going I, don't, to go. I don't know. Oh, fun. Okay, cool. Uh, the Forgotten City is in what I think is a meta theme for this year, uh, in 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 a way that it has to be happenstance, but is also very fascinating of uh, a time looping um and 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 the passage of time and uh how how we manipulate that and how it affects us um the forgotten city is a first person uh i guess you'd say i, I would i would it's classify it as a first person well, it's not skyrim mod but that doesn't it's also not a skyrim mod they remade the entire thing they remade started it. okay yeah it, it looks a lot it, like a skyrim mod it, it just, does I, <laughs> it's a mis- it's a mystery game 
Like you yeah. are, you are trying to unlock a mystery uh, by methodically finding pieces of it that it, that you are able to use the knowledge you unlock and sometimes the physical items you unlock. Uh, because at the end of the day, or it's a town where if you sin, everybody dies. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You should listen to the so, episode. We went pretty yes. in depth if you're curious. Yeah. You're playing a mystery. And I'm talking around like so much stuff. You're solving a mystery uh-huh. uh, about some sort of calamity that's going to befall this world and why all this is happening and all of this stuff. Uh, and the very cool part is you are the clues and sometimes physical items that you get carry over to your next loop. Do you mind if I take so, a, somebody, a quick try at this? Yeah, please. I would yeah. Love it. So you are a modern day like pr- person. You wake up in a Roman town that seems to have not changed in history. It is underground. There's no way out. And you learn that you need to solve the mystery of why this town will everyone in it will be killed if they sin. What is a sin? That's a great question. The game's very excited to figure that out with you. Uh, yes. And it, that is the central yeah, question, yes. I think. And, and very quickly, you realize your purpose there is much more significant than actually answering that question. Yes. You have to do jobs to help people all over the city. Odd jobs around Odd town. Odd jobs around town that in, in this sort of genre's style like you learn things about the loop and then you can help people out more next time i think chris mentioned this first while talking about this this game in the episode and i agree the best feature of this game is this guy yes <laughs> who character of the game should have this guy this guy who's standing at the entrance to this city that you wake up in every time you loop back and he's like hey what's up and you're like i fucking know everything about you and he's like oh cool and then you're like Go give the the antidote to this person. Go tell this person to get out of the temple. Go tell this person that an assassin's coming. And also go uh, tell this person to, you know, stop being such a dick. And he's like, okay, got it. And he runs off and does all that stuff for you. So you don't have to worry about it. I was trying to remember, like Majora's Mask, does it have anything like that? Like, Like when it reboots the day, does it like... No, but you don't have to. All that's all of the shit in Majora's Mask is like individual Boy. side questy stuff that you use in order to earn new masks and you know pieces of. Heart but all those people are like still that. sad every time you reboot the day. Oh yeah, and in fact, <laughs> when you do hop up to that moon and save the world and go back down, you know that couple's still trapped in that shrine, and <laughs> that guy's still stuck on that rock. Drag. Yeah, man. Hey, you got what you needed out of them. You got that piece of the heart container and a mask. You're yeah, exactly. Fine. Thanks for the mask that turns me into a rock. What a I transactional relationship, Link. Yeah, you're not kidding. Uh, Forgotten City, I found to be really, really special. I was totally captured by it. Uh, it's not a very long game. It takes like five or six hours. But I was like immediately like really connected to everyone in the city and like very invested in their problems and solving their problems. Um, I really, really liked it. Uh, I know Plant ran into a ton of technical issues, which totally destroyed any momentum and enthusiasm he might have had for the game. But uh, I I thought it was a very special experience. Uh, Definitely one of my favorite narrative experiences of the year. I I really enjoyed this game, despite the bugs. And we're going to talk about another game on this list that has this issue. The very end of this game, and I'm not going to spoil it. Don't worry, don't worry. But the very end of this game... I do not like oh, it at was, all. I hated it. It's, <laughs> I thought it, it was is so, so bad. It's, it's such a unnecessary turn. Um, 
for something I thought, that I thought it. Really I, yeah, I thought it was cool actually. <laughs> I, was I didn't great. mind it. I mean, it sure. Me. I mean, I liked it when so many other video games did the exact same thing. Um, it's just. Yeah, it does not. I don't agree. Uh, wait, I don't know if you're talking about the oh, no, ending, you, ending, no, or no. the. He's okay. talking about the. Uh, the I got it. Ending, yeah. ending. No, oh, no, oh, not oh, the oh, ending. no, no, not, 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 not the credits ending. Right. Okay. The ending. Uh, it's it did. I know. You what go you're in that room. The credits ending. I wanted something this, that landed. This is a the bit most harder. surely thing that we've ever done. I know. I know. on first. Let's talk about something. Fucking Halo Infinite. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I oh, want to ask you guys. I did not listen to your episode. Interesting. Would never, it wouldn't even cross Justin, my mind. Justin, I know you. <laughs> the thought, it wouldn't even, not even. Uh, <laughs> but I was traveling to go to the Seattle, uh-huh. uh, the Emerald City Comic Con, and I had Halo Infinite on my laptop and I plugged it into a TV and I just played a lot of Halo Infinite, which is. A great video game. <laughs> I didn't even tuck into the campaign. I really? just played. Yeah, and this is like, I guys, I can't tell you what it is because I I have played lots of Halo games. I've played lots of. I've never played this much of a first person shooter like multiplayer. Like I, I, if I've ever played this much of it, I do not. I do not recall. Like it has been years. I play it by myself. I don't care. Uh, it does so many smart things about getting you to experiment and expand your skills in a way that like makes every match feel meaningful. And I know that some of the progression stuff is broken, but I'm not even that focused on it because it's all cosmetic stuff. But the real progression, and I think this is lost in the conversation of like the, you know, the, the weapons in Halo are very, very varied and they have very different applications depending on the situation. And by giving you objectives that force you to use new weapons or creating modes like Fiesta, where you're given a random assortment of weapons every time you spawn, um, you are really forced to, you know, practice with these new things. And forced isn't even the right word because it's sort of like making it comfortable and easy because a lot of other people, especially in like Fiesta, a lot of other people are doing the same thing. They're, they're trying guns that maybe they're not. Uh, completely comfortable with and i really enjoyed feeling my skills progress with the the way that this is structured and now i like routinely am like leading the the team in in kills or captures or whatever and i know that's that if if history is any indication i will quickly be outpaced by people who have a lot more time to play and aren't playing other stuff but uh I have just it's it's so fun every single time. So many of the weapons are a joy to use. the The stuff like the grappling hook is great. The repulsor that sh- knocks people away. Um, it really gives you opportunities to, even if you're. Um, I think the best thing about Halo for me, uh, it, Infinite for me, is that it is the kind of multiplayer shooter where even if you are not the best at like pointing a gun at someone and shooting them before they shoot you. If you are smart and thinking, you can get the upper hand on people a lot it, by like predicting behaviors and playing enough to think like, oh, that guy's about to go around here. I'm just going to drop a grenade and I'll blow him up. Or that person has this weapon. I know what they're going to attempt to do. Like I'm going to try to get get one up on them. And it's so satisfying uh, and so fun. And that was all before I'd even touched the the um, single player. Yeah, I, I think what you're, uh, you didn't mention, but I think is very important to this is that Halo, Halo Infinite Multiplayer is free to play. And I don't just mean that, hey, it's free, whatever. I mean, 
the part of the reason that you're able to do well is because the audience for this game it's not only free to play it's on pc it's on xbox it's on a lot of you know uh, that's a lot of people that i can reach and so the people that you're playing is a much broader audience than the people that are like oh i'm a hardcore halo fan i'm gonna pay 60 right. hours it's on day one brilliantly it's it's really exceptionally able to pair me with people who are like of a similar skill yeah. level that is i that is absolutely i should not say that i'm like getting great at halo although like getting no no, no. i mean halo, it, it, like, it helps you to not leave it uh, it helps right, if you feel exactly. like you're not. It makes it totally feel satisfying. Stopped. And most of the matches I play are, are close. close. Yeah, the matchmaking. Is wild. Is, I don't know how intense the skill based matchmaking is in things like quick play or whatever, but it seems very, very good. Like I ha- have played very few matches where it's just like a total stomp fest. And compare that to Call of Duty, where almost every match I play is a total stomp fest. So that is very impressive. Sorry, sorry. It's a a a festival of... Sorry, Justin, I'll explain. It's a festival of stomping that they do. Yeah, we shorten Uh, that to just stomp fest. It's easier. Wait, 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 wait. Is that like stomp fest? Yeah. Is this a stomp fest with your feet, or is this a stomp fest with like the city streets of New York, a trash can, a broomstick? That's not stomping. right. Oh, I, no, the only that stomping that stomp. happens in stomp is when they're stomping their feet. All the other stomping is just like hitting oh, stuff. stomps here. To be really clear. Thank you. That's, that's really good. Uh, what? Which one wins? And I'll be honest here. I don't really care. Okay. I feel like, I, both, the, I feel like both these games are pretty good. I, I So I don't want to get into the campaign right now if justin hasn't played it and i still think even with just the multiplayer i would probably still advance oh i've played it now Oh, you have played it now i just like i thought it would make more sense i okay i'm not trying to force this issue but i feel like the forgotten city is cool very cool everybody should play it uh for me i just feel like halo infinite is a more consistent success uh i agree with board Uh, I, I have a lot of thoughts about. about the campaign specifically, but I don't know that we need to go into them now because I that think was part of my week, ra- rationale. We can, yeah, we that was part of my rationale. That makes sense. All right. So congratulations, Halo Infinite. Okay. Uh, Outer Wilds, X of the Eye versus Monster Hunter Rise as the next Can pairing. I talk about Outer Wilds really quick? I yeah. Yes. Can I say though, I because I, I've gotten some shit from y'all uh, because I loved Outer Wilds so much. I just finished Echoes of the Eye yesterday. Oh. And so I I feel I, I'm glad that I it's one of the games I'm happiest that I played before we had this discussion. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I, I think Outworlds like Echoes of the Eye has the best opening of a video game ever. Maybe maybe ever. I I, I think arriving at what the DLC or expansion actually is is one of the coolest things that I have experienced in video games. And I <laughs> what you disagree? Sorry, I thought it, I was muted. Hold on, let me. Do uh, it no, I forgot. You don't like good video games. That's yeah. That's the problem is you don't like the good ones. Um, I go ahead. I'm gonna let you. I'll, please, I request thirty seconds about this game, but uh, because I've made my feelings about Outer Wilds, but abundantly clear. Yeah, no, you have bad ones. I want to say all the good stuff. Uh, you, Justin, it's on this you'll, list. You'll probably actually agree with it. me at, at, if, if you let me finish the thing. Um. I think the game is incredible. I think it has a, a sense of scale that I love. I wrote about this on Polygon that it does the thing that I always wanted from a Halo game, which is that you actually feel like you are on a Halo and you are going the, you know, the entire width of it and that, that it is a living object. And the way that that terrain evolves is just so cool. I think the um, kind of like silent film nature of this game and how it plays with 
with the silent films that you find throughout it is super chill. Um, here's my only rub about the game. The final third becomes a survival horror game that I don't enjoy at all. Uh, to the pr- the point where I just stopped playing it and I loaded up a playthrough and just watched like the final hour of it. Um, and that was like a much more enjoyable way of experiencing that. They do some things to, I guess, like prepare the player for that. There is a option that uh, makes it less scary. But the issue for me wasn't scary. It was that the the time limit. So the game is, uh, you know, each play, play session is on a time limit. You kind of like almost inception in this game, like going within a world, within a world, within a world. And being on time limits for that just really was not pleasurable for me. And it, it wasn't was just so much even stressful. It was just like, this is not, this is this has ceased to be rewarding. Yeah, I, I, I would agree that, you know, that, that setting basically, these there are these stealth sequences and that setting makes the stealth sequences much easier, but I agree that they are not fun. I, I'm just so incredibly taken by the ambitiousness of the entire Yes. Package that it definitely overwhelms my relative displeasure with those stealth sequences. It is outrageously ambitious what they have pulled off in this standalone game, uh, in the standalone DLC of an already remarkably insanely ambitious game. So I... I mean, I look, I like, I love Monster Hunter Rise as well. I'm not saying I even know how I'm going to vote here, but I do want to say like, wow, Echoes of the Eye is like a special experience. I want to hear from Griffin because he literally just beat it. Yeah, I was, I think the reason why I put off playing the expansion to one of the most impressive games ever made uh, and my favorite game of, was it last year? I think maybe I think like two year years before. ago. Yeah. It was not, uh, it lost to Sekiro just for future uh, crime. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, I wonder who um, did that. It was Griffin. Sekiro fucking kicks ass too. Anyway, I, I, that whole game, the whole of Outer Wilds is so intricate. Uh, I just actually just watched the no clip documentary about the making of the game, which I would encourage anybody to watch because it's so fucking interesting the way that like, you know, you don't think about how difficult it is to make these spheroid planets that is the game setting like like super mario galaxy style and how difficult it is to make you know the the physics of one of those make sense let alone uh, a system with six orbiting like planets all that exist at the same time and all interact with each other and all are sort of physically accurate with each other like and then not only that but like the mysteries of this game are so intricately interwoven that it, it is it is clock-like in its in its precision uh, and that is so impressive and I loved that game so much I loved unraveling that so much the idea of throwing something into it I worried would like disrupt the whole system right yeah and uh, to to some degree, I think it does a little bit. Like they're very clever about how they hide it, how they hide the new setting, and how they sort of explain why you couldn't see it before, why you, you couldn't go to it before. Um, and if I go back and replay the Outer Wilds, like I don't know if I'm going to go back and play the DLC because it is so it is really cool and it tells a story that is not as sort of compelling as the core plot of um, of Outer Wilds, but it does introduce like and here's how another you know, alien 
species did it. Uh, and I really liked it. Like I, I, I thought the puzzles were clever and sort of figuring out the mysteries of that world and how to use them to solve it was like a, a microcosm of the Outer Wild experience. For one thing, I don't know that it was uh, as great as they did it with the original Outer Wilds, but uh, especially because of those stealth sequences, which I think are 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 just terrible. Yeah. Um, you mentioned I, going back and playing it. If you haven't played this game before, or this is how I would do it if I was even going to go back and play it, I would about, uh, it's hard to even know what halfway through the game is, though I think you could feel it. I would do the the expansion about halfway through the game. Yeah. Because I don't think it works as well as a postscript, but I think finding out that there is not nefarious, but menacing, like extra extraterrestrial culture watching the universe that you're in is such a cool twist. And it, it I think it adds a lot to the story. And so much of this game is about scope, as you know, that like the world is bigger than you, that the universe is bigger than you, that there is so much out there that you can't even comprehend. And I loved that idea that, oh my gosh, Despite the game telling me over and over again that everything is bigger than I can conceive, I had not conceptualized that like, oh, yeah, there was probably something even watching the entire right. universe that I was in the first game. Um, I, 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 I had a great time playing it, and it sent me down the same spiral I went down the first time I finished Outer Wilds, which is like, I want to know every fucking thing about this game. Like, I want to watch 40-minute-long, like, plot interpretations and, like, all yeah. this. The, the Echoes of the Eye sent me down that path, too. The world is really cool. The ring world is cool. Like, you know, these fucking space nerds who made <laughs> the original game were like, well, we got to do a ring world planet. Um, but it's just like, if, if Outer Wilds is a clock then Echoes of the Eye feels like a smaller, very similar clock that they put inside <laughs> of the first clock. And yeah, it, yeah. It, it, I don't know when I would recommend playing it when playing through Outer Wilds because like, I feel like Outer Wilds has this tremendous momentum that jumping into this like small scale version of I, yeah, Outer Wilds right. would maybe take the legs out of. Guys, one love. This is okay, DLC. Yeah. The, like there's, there's eight more games to You're talk right. about and you haven't touched on Monster Hunter Rise. All right, let's hear, let's hear, go ahead and have your 30 seconds of. I don't actually want it anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, on the other hand, it doesn't matter. I'm just negging. I, I hate this game. I hate Outer Wilds. I think it's because you're mad that you don't, it doesn't click with you because you know how much other people like it. And, and, and also it. because it seems like your jam. Like it. Yes. Plant justify like the, the moment where you encounter the DLC is fucking great. And it makes me so mad that this game, I can't get past all like, it's so fucking annoying, like just getting into it that I had to get a walkthrough from Chris plant on how to like actually access the DLC. And once I was in though, I was like, okay, that was annoying, but like I'm back baby and I'm loving it. And like the day reset, right. And I get my rocket ship and I use the little thing to go back to the thing. And I like, I'm about, I'm like, you know what? This rules. I'm going to keep playing this. I've, I was too harsh on outer wilds and I get out of the fucking spaceship and like use my jet pack too hard and crash into a wall and die <laughs> before I walk in. I'm like, Oh, that's right. Actually fuck this game. <laughs> forever please please delete and like put a like never let me install it again. Five, i hate 10 this years from now we're gonna be doing an episode because this show will just never die right. and you are going to come back and be like 
I can't believe. So I played Outer Wilds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, no, I, no, I, I, this is not that. Like, I really, I, I it makes me furious because, like, I don't, no, except for the fact, like, I don't like feeling like, I, if this is the only game I had to play, I would be very into it. Like, but I, it's like, I feel like the, the, the loop hero thing that you described. Oh, yeah. A lot of times I just feel like I want to be, like, doing, like, I want to know that I'm like, Moving forward, moving, moving oh, forward, yeah. and I don't know that. And also, like my progress is impeded constantly by these, like that, like that is. I get a, it. I get it. All that. I just don't I, like. I it. like that about that that it doesn't tell you if you're progressing, but it is. Yeah, it, that, it's a big change from every other game on this list, and that like you you do not know if you have progressed an inch or a mile. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise beats ass. It's a good fucking game. It's a really good Monster Hunter game on a portable platform, and it kicks ten asses. I mean, honestly, ten asses. It is very. It's basically, correct me if I'm wrong, Monster Hunter World, but you can climb on everything. Basically, yeah, it does some a few things differently from Monster Hunter World, and and there's a grappling hook. Yeah, I think it has a little bit more of like the classic like. Uh, 3DS, DS, uh, Monster Hunter games DNA, uh, in that like it's very separated out into into missions. Like Monster Hunter World felt bigger and a bit more open. Hmm. Uh, but I mean, I I, <laughs> I I loved this game. I played it like constantly. Uh, and then about a, a few weeks after it came out, we had Gus, and I stopped playing all video games for a few months. Uh, and at that point I did feel like, well, I, I, there's no fucking way I'm going to remember how to, you know, use my, uh, you know, hammer combos. So I'm going to, I'm going to drop off now. Uh, but there's DLC coming out next year and I'm like very excited to relearn all of that shit in order to participate in that. Yeah. This Um, was the first, uh, you know, I talked about it when we first uh, brought it up. This was the first Monster Hunter game that ever fully clicked with me and it clicked with me hard. It is just amazing to, you know, every, the combat feels like super satisfying and the monsters look incredibly cool. It's satisfying, like every time you do a mission, it doesn't feel like grinding. It's like incredibly satisfying to fight even the same monster over and over again, just because they did such a good job with the animations and, and, and the fact that I can play it on, in handheld on the couch is uh, insane. It, it actually has opened this new, series up to me that has been closed for fucking 20 years or 25 however long monster hunter has been around this was the game to open it up for me I so it's i so interesting that this is the one that did it i mean there isn't really a more approachable monster hunter game even world was not as approachable as this game i feel like world is more i i don't know i i feel like world was actually a better on onboarding point but like they're both they're both yeah right. i think I mean, we, it's, it's we were we were we were suspicious that rise would take the lessons that it needed to from monster hunter world and it really really yeah did. and i i also think like it being portable allows it, this game to do things like with world the second that i realized oh i have to farm for ingredients to make more bullets or whatever i was like i'm not sitting in front of a tv and doing this for six hours that's crazy but doing it while watching netflix and like passively fighting monsters like hell yeah uh it made a big difference so i'm i'm like fully in on monster hunter rise um i have probably stronger memories of playing out of the eye but i would be okay with rise winning this face off this is yeah it, it's it's tough because i i the whole package like i did like 
echoes of the eye quite a bit but um i i god i just i i heard you describe one part as i let me check the notes here uh absolutely terrible <laughs> i think rotten is the word that i may have used yeah i mean you can't get around it the stealth part is forced stealth in games that ain't about that just, you don't need to it's a it's a it's an interactive environmental puzzle game that's so so satisfying. But Here, also here's now the thing: there's spooky aliens that are going to kill you. The uh-huh. game that wins the bestie this year, there is a very real chance that the number of these games will have a moment that I would describe as very bad. So sure. I don't necessarily think like we should hold out. I'm not saying I'm, this is not my full defense. I don't think it goes that I going to win this round. I would just say be prepared for that to be a thing that we have said about a game that wins this year because everything here has, I would say, a bit of a rub to it. All right. So congratulations, Monster Hunter Rise. We are going to take an incredibly brief commercial break for this maxi length uh, episode. That's right. We're not done. We're basically halfway through. So uh, let's keep on cranking. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back right after this. You go get a phone. You just want a phone. Talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details. And all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? I can pull that nonsense. Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plans jaw-dropping monthly bills the unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com besties that's mintmobile.com besties cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com besties additional taxes Fees and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track and especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want. Get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have, and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. 
That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties. Next up, Inscription versus Psychonauts 2. Okay, so I don't think this is going to be a super tough decision because I know how y'all feel about Psychonauts 2, but I do want to say narratively, you know, I've, I said this about Forgotten City, one of the best narrative experiences I had this year, but there's a big caveat. It took a good amount of time to get to the parts where I was engaged with the narrative. Um I was going to say, these games are opposites of each other. I think Inscription has one of the best openings of a video game of the year. And I think the very ending is not great. And I think Psychonauts 2 has one of the worst openings. But the longer you play, the stronger the game gets. I Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be that fatalistic about Inscription's... To- like, I kind of agree Ooh. with you, but I, I definitely agree that Psychonauts' narrative gets better and better as it goes... And I found it to be like a really special experience. I still did not care for the gameplay, which is a pretty big sticking point for a game. Um, But I think visually, like art design wise and narratively, um, Psychonauts is an incredibly special game um, and well worth playing both for people that like like the original, but also for people that like like narrative like there's a lot of accessibility settings that make the game super easy to just like go through and like if you aren't good at targeting or you can't physically target enemies it handles a lot of that for you um so you can just experience the story and it is a story well worth experiencing yeah one more one more thing before we move on because i we don't need to talk about inscription we know it's gonna be talked about later i like that this game takes really you know dark and like adult themes you know dealing with alcoholism and grief and anxiety and then it kind of like wraps them and dips them in candy and serves them to a family audience because i i I just i like when children's media is dark and vulnerable and gets into heavy topics and treats kids with respect and like recognizes that they can handle these things and they're actually really want to engage with these ideas because this is a a safe place for them to do it. And I think the game is weakest when it panders to kids. Like I think we talked about like cheese jokes or whatever. Bacon. Yeah. Bacon. Um, That stuff doesn't work. I don't know that bacon shit is for kids. I think it's for like, well, uh, comedically sort of. Yeah. Yeah. But I I don't, I don't think we need to like spend time dunking on this game. We have limited time. I I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I I was too harsh on it. The episode that we talked about it and then I played more and I was like, okay, I, I, this game is, is very special. Okay. So inscription wins that round. Yeah. Is it weird that we didn't like, we barely touched. I mean, inscription is, it's really, I don't know that we need to describe what inscription is, but. It's a collectible card game, just like Pokemon or yeah. whatever, or or euchre. It's like euchre or poker. <laughs> Nothing else. There's no surprises. No, no. It's just the same. Uh, whatever. Okay. Next up, we have Forza Horizon Five versus Death's Door. Oh, fresh! I'm so excited for this one for you. I am I, not excited. I for this don't one know for where me. you fall. I'm I'm sorry, Plant. Where do you fall on this? I don't know. Both of these were in my top five personally. I think I had Death's Door higher. Um, Death's Door isometric kind of soulsy game where you play as a raven who is like like uh, reaps souls um, in this like bizarre universe. Very cool uh, combat adventure game. And Forza Horizon Five is 
the most fun I've had with a racing game in 10 years. Like it's the best open world game I think out right now. I think it's the best open world series. I, I think it's it's more interesting than like all of these um shooter open world games where you know you go unlock towers. And I think that is because I mean, the game is just like profoundly generous. God, that's so funny that you said that plant, because that is when I was thinking about these games last night as I was falling asleep and going through the list in my head. That is the phrase that that jumped into my head with Forza Horizon Five, which I did play, even though I didn't, I didn't end up talking about on the besties. I did play it, and like, um, here's the the best thing I the, okay. This is Forza Horizon Five, right? It is the first video game that my three year old played. Wow! Like, wow! She pulled the trigger, right? And then you move the stick. Sometimes she moved the stick. Other times she didn't. And it was still fun, yeah. like r- ripping through, like she's doing stunts. She's tearing down a bunch of cactuses. She's like unlocking cars <laughs> for me by like blowing through the scenery. And like, that's, it feels so eager to like, just eager to please. Like, I listen, thank you for playing a car game. We know they're boring. Like, let us, what can we do to make it more fun for you? And I feel like uh, it, they really, they really go all out. I really appreciated that it, from them. Not again, not my, like my jam, but like, seriously i'm very it's also like any type of card game you want it to be you can make this feel like mario kart or you can make it feel like it's not a card game at all and you're just exploring open world you just happen to be a car like in the film cars or cars 2 or cars 3 or planes yeah any of the cars um and you know i I saw some people complaining about this uh online were like oh you know it's such a hardcore player uh thing with they they give you good cars too early you know, I, how this game isn't, you know, tricking me into spending 300 hours unlocking, you know, a Porsche. That is such a... I'm so glad that they are not making their game for the most hardcore fan. Because for someone like me who's going to pick at this game over the next two years, and, like, maybe I see the end of it, just getting a really nice car up top and zipping through a valley and then trying to go up a volcano... That's all the fun I want. That's all I need. And, and it, it genuinely it requires like a wide range of cars to do most of the things. Like yeah. you try bringing the Porsche off road. Good luck. Yeah. So it genuinely like there's a reason to have like a big catalog of stuff. Uh, my my neon Genesis Evangelion liveried Porsche <laughs> with uh, the off road <laughs> mods can go pretty much anywhere I want it. Sure, uh, it's extremely good. I I. I it's hard to sort of put into words. I hate for what it's worth. I think they're very well-made games, but the core Forza Motorsport games, as well as Gran Turismo games, I cannot play. I find them dull as dishwater. The idea that you're like slowly taking a turn, you know, in this supercar, like, why am I doing this? You hate uh, brakes. What, sorry? You hate brakes. No brakes. I hate brakes. And and this game, in addition to like letting you pick all the settings so like if you don't want to worry about breaking you can play it that way but you can also like slowly ease off the settings and say like okay i think i have a handle on brakes now i'm gonna like use that and you'll get like a little bit of extra like currency for turning off that uh setting um feels really good like it's satisfying to feel like i'm more in control than i was previously and there is kind of a skill ceiling there that i haven't quite reached yet it's also funny, like, playing this and Halo, because in this, as Plant said, like, you can download any car design of anything 
um, of Evangelion or whatever other anime stuff you can like put on any car. Halo, meanwhile, is kind of selling the color blue for your armor, but uh, that's fine. Uh, I appreciate Forza's generosity on that front. Can I can I read you the notes I have for Death's Door? Yeah, because I I was kind of like I wrote down my notes for Forza, and I was like, eh, Death's Door. I don't know. I wrote another game that I've cooled on a little. I really like the first chunk of this game, and I really like the characters and writing. I wish there were more people to meet in the world. It's all very polished and smooth, and the art direction is gorgeous. You know, I guess I don't actually have that many gripes with this game. (laughs) That's fine. It it kind of feels... I I would agree, because I felt like I wanted more from it, but that's actually not a knock. It kind of made me want a sequel, because I wanted to see more of this world. Um, It is that, like, kind of intriguing and welcoming and fascinating. Um, it's it it the, this game mystifies me. I think maybe I feel about it the same way that Juice feels about Outer Wilds, in that it is like on paper my shit. Yeah, very Griffin game. But I don't. I have I have never been able to remotely get into it. I've I have not. And, and maybe it's the there's something about it being like this isometric top down action game that i feel like makes the makes the action feel not as tight uh as i don't know maybe a 2d platformer game would have been i know i'm like make, that's a really wild uh criticism to lay it to if, only- if it was a football game right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh it, it 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 just doesn't the combat doesn't feel great to me i find the world kind of annoying to explore yeah. like it is it is labyrinthian in a way that uh, even when I'm making progress, it doesn't feel like I'm making much progress. Uh, I don't really love the like way that it handles uh, healing and stuff like that. Like, there's uh, I don't find the upgrades particularly compelling. So, like, I, I there's a part of me that feels bad that I'm not loving it as much as everybody else. But there's a darker part of me that's like, why the fuck does everyone is everyone so head over heels about this game? Like, I don't think it's bad. But it's it's it just feels kind of eh to to me, um, and that's that is that is disappointing. I think on a personal level. Yeah, I know how you feel. I like I like Death Door a lot, um, but it it didn't. Again, it's not one that I finished. I didn't feel like super compelled to to keep going with it. It felt more of like a a distant appreciation, sort of like oh yeah, I get it. Like it's I I appreciated what it was doing, but it wasn't something that like grabbed me. Yeah, I'd agree about the navigation stuff. I definitely was frustrated on that front, but everything else totally grabbed me uh, in this game. I I really really dug it. But I w- I want to get kind of silly here. Oh. What if we what if we just make it Forza Horizon Five? Yeah, I I don't I, I don't have particularly through. strong feelings about Forza Horizon Five, but I was actively disappointed in in Death Store. So I'm cool with Forza. I mean, both of these games I think are more or less on par for me. Um, so Forza works. Yeah, Forza. I I think I just have a warmer feeling towards, which is yeah. You don't need more than uh, that. Yeah, I think there is some it's recency stuff here, but I also. I get it. Like I'm cool with either of these games. Okay, two more matchups: Deathloop versus Unsighted. Uh, man, I've been playing some Unsighted uh too recently. I haven't. I'm I'm like nowhere near beating it or anything like that. Um, where you at? Are you at the museum? You at the highway? I don't know how to describe where I'm at. It's a future land apocalypse. With <laughs> okay. parts in it. So have you, you gone have a like dungeon a- yet? Yes, yes. 
I, I, I hate that this is coming right after the, the death door discussion. Cause I feel kind of the same way, which is like, I love these types of games, but for, for whatever reason, um, this one is not, I, I, I think it looks, um, maybe someone who, who likes okay, it. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm that's gonna, a fair I, point. I don't, yeah, I don't want to be too. I will start. Okay. Death door. Uh, <laughs> fuck. There's so many death games, uh, unsighted. Uh, this is the game. We talked about this. We had a breakout episode of the resties on it. Uh, if you want to go like really in depth, but uh, basically the gist is, it's a uh, top-down uh, action RPG where any NPC that you meet has a t- timer next to its name, and uh, if that amount of time passes in in-game time, that NPC vanishes forever. They go, quote, unsighted, and basically run off into the wilderness, uh, becoming uh, a thoughtless being. And you have to decide, while you're playing this action RPG that's very tough, who effectively lives and who dies using a very limited currency. Um, They can be your shopkeepers. They can be your like, you're literally your like tutorial character. It's everyone and you. Um, I, you know, I talked about it in the episode, but I turned that feature off because it gave me so much stress and agita making these calls. But I do appreciate how someone might feel certainly super attached to these characters if they it's were to brutal. start vanishing. Uh, but I'm, I, but I also appreciate that they included the feature to turn that off because man, even with it off, it is still an incredibly well-made kind of Zelda esque top-down action RPG. Um, and Frost, one did that I to the church really enjoyed. Uh, did I get to the church? I don't think so. I'm pretty late. I just finished the highway. So uh, I think I have you... one more dungeon left. Yeah, there are things that you might skip just because they're not necessary since you don't have to worry about time. Yeah. But in the church, and this is like a very minor spoiler because it is, as Fresh alluded to, not like part of the main line. There is a character who will kill any other character in the game and give you however much time they have left. But you have to choose to kill them. Yikes. Huh. Yeah, it's wild. And you can choose to kill that character. The character so like, that is offering this choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which unlocks a whole other ending path in a certain way. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of like little hidden stuff throughout the game that I, I really appreciated, which is kind of wild considering, again, you have very limited time to get through the game. I, I would say in the, there's a normal mode and there's a very like unforgiving mode. In the normal mode, it's stressful. Normal mode. Normal <laughs> mode. I <laughs> sweet though if it had a normal yeah. mode where everybody was normal from Garfield um, I think I think it's forgiving enough that you can complete the game and you'll have some losses but like it's not pure anxiety um, which is what I feared it would be when I when I started the game Justin you played a fair amount right yeah I, I liked all the mechanic stuff I, I I think what I'm torn on is the fact that you can turn that the death feature off because like uh, while again uh, we've talked about accessibility a lot um and i think that it's cool to make games as sort of flexible as possible um even more so after our conversations about it like i i feel like i understand that more i think what i'm torn about is it it either i was really conflicted about it because i didn't like that part I, I found it very stressful but also like people would die and i hadn't even like met mm-hmm. them and that and that was definitely the sense of like FOMO like oh gosh who who are these people you know what I mean like I should be rushing through 
the the other parts of the game, which I don't like rushing through typically, like I should be rushing through so I can meet all these characters and see all these people. And like, I don't, you know, I, I, I just didn't feel that, but I'm, I'm conflicted about the fact that you can turn it off. Cause either that is the game that you're making or it's not, you know what I mean? Like either you want me to have this experience. Cause it's like part of the intent. Like it, it's not going to land as hard for me if I don't have it. Or like it's not essential, well, and I don't think it's binary. Then, I think yeah, you I think can they, have, I like, think they made I'm, two games, right? But like I was sort of like neither one felt sad. Like I don't know that. Like what am I missing by not doing that? Like do you want me to do it or like is it is it important enough that you include it in your game I, thematically? Like is it narratively thematically important or am I missing like well I miss the resonance of it by not I, having I'm it. playing it without, and I'm saying like I get the narrative hooks of it being there, even though people aren't explicitly dying because there's still like story elements that like still talk directly about the idea that all of these characters are facing this ticking clock, even without that thing. I I don't think it's a binary choice. Yeah. It's also, what do you want to get out of it? Right? Like if you want to get just that it playing a, a very cool dungeon crawler action RPG, that is a thing that you can get out of it with, with I think a pretty compelling story on the I, flip side. I would also say mechanically um, I did not, I felt like I spent a lot of time lost or like not knowing where I should yeah. be headed um, and trying to get from A to B in a way that like is even considering this mechanic of like time slipping away is like, it seems unforgivable. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know why that would be. I don't have a good sense of direction. Like it's, it's a failing of mine personally as a human being. And like the fact that I'm like trying to figure out a map and while people are like dying is like, it was like, I found profoundly un unsatisfying. Yeah. I, I genuinely that. think that you would have enjoyed the game if you just turned off or join, enjoyed it. I did not enjoy it. I'm no, just, I, I enjoyed it more. I think you would have enjoyed it more if you just turned that off and it wasn't oh, hovering over you. I, I have a feeling this game is not going to survive this round, so I, I just want to say a couple more nice things about it. I did play the um, the version where time matters and, and people start falling away. And what I liked about it, even though I, I don't think it is like the mandatory way to play the game, for me, I liked how it got me thinking about just how I spend time in life and how limited my own abilities are. Because like Justin's... Right. There is a sense of FOMO. There is this realization that you're not going to meet every character in the game. There's, I mean, there is a character that I really liked and I kept sinking, you know, my resources in to keep them alive. And at a certain point I realized like, I can't do this. Like this person is going to die at a certain point. And I am sinking resources, sinking. That sounds awful. I'm put, I'm, I'm giving this person resources that I, I could go to people who I need them to have it so that I can complete this quest so that I can like save the bigger world. Yeah. And it raises some really uncomfortable questions of like who lives and who dies and what what are the burdens of a responsibility like that yeah. falling on one person and like that how unfair it is for one person to having to decide that. I really liked how it got me to think about both its fictional world, but also like the very limited finite time that we have in this one and how we kind of have to live with being grateful for what things we do have rather than obsessing about all the things we don't, um, which is, Hey, pretty cool for a video game. 
Yeah. And on the exact literal opposite end of that ethos is, that right? is Deathloop. Uh, who liked Deathloop the most and wants to talk about it? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I No, you know what? It, man, I tell you, it just... That was one that were like I was really enjoying a lot of Deathloop, which is a it's like Forgotten City, except you have a lot of you guns. must sin. I mean, yeah. you must sinning sin. is required. You must sin. There is only sin. Um, I, I honestly, I will say that I, I, other people may not agree with me, and that is fine if you if you disagree. But I do, and I and I'm go for it, Justin. Uh, okay. I enjoyed a lot of Deathloop. I thought mechanically a lot of it was really fun. And I thought like the interactions between the characters were really fun. And I thought the last, the, the, the final beats of this game that is like hinting towards like the overarching mystery of the game, the, the final act of this game and the way it all resolves and what it is doing like narratively and thematically is th- so thuddingly bad and so, like, I will just say, like, unsatisfying, unrewarding, uh, like, kind of, like, misogynist and, like, shitty and, like, has nothing to say, really. It has nothing to say. Um, I found that, like, so bad that it retroactively, like, made all any enjoyment I had of the narrative stuff or, like, conversations and all that stuff, like, really, really, the bottom fell out so hard I- for me. Guess what, Justin? What? Totally agree with you. Oh, my gosh. And I don't think we're totally uh, outside of the norm here. I think I've heard a lot of people with that sentiment. Um, I agree that the narrative sort of doesn't doesn't just they just don't do a good job wrapping everything, not necessarily up, but just putting a bow on it or as it were. Um, Even putting that aside, even though that aspect I thought was like not good. That the final act of the game basically has you doing like a quote perfect day, which is to say you follow a schedule to essentially assassinate every major target in the game. And in doing that, it sort of lays bare just how rigid a lot of the systems in the game are, specifically mm. like the methods you would go mm. about assassinating these people are pretty limiting especially when you compare it to a game like Hitman 3, for example, which you could kill someone in about 13 different ways in Hitman 3. In Deathloop, you can kind of do it with like two, maybe three in each case. And it kind of made me feel, and this, again, you think I'm talking about retroactively looking back on it. It made me feel like everything that I was doing felt like I was following a very guided path that didn't allow yeah. for a lot of versatility. Or Some improvisation, of, which is or, like yeah. the best thing about Arcane's games is like if something goes wrong, you have something to fall back on. But when you're trying to build that perfect day, which is like the solution to the puzzle that the game is, there is there is no there's not much room for you to like get get frisky with it if yeah. one thing goes wrong. And it didn't even feel like a puzzle to me. Like you literally like 90% of it is running from waypoint to waypoint, yeah. reading a document and then running to the next waypoint after that. It didn't feel like I was figuring something out which was kind of upsetting. I love the visual design. I love like I think the level design is really really clever and interesting. Like I compare it to Dishonor the Dishonor series, which not not the same studio, it's worth noting, but like it is, you know, different studios within Arcane. 
Um, but I feel like Dishonored, you know, you, there's so much versatility it, it, it that you can do studio. in a Dishonored run that you just cannot do in Death, Deathloop. And it kind of does hinder the experience. It makes me feel like I had the same experience that everyone else did while playing this game. It, it is the same studio as Dishonored. Oh, right? sorry. I th- it's Arcane Leone. Oh, I sorry. I thought I, I always fake. confuse that in the Austin studio. Yeah, no. The Austin studio is doing the vampire game. Yeah, that looks dope. We, we got to move on, but I do want to say it's funny how much this stands apart from Echoes of the Eye and Forgotten City, which is like, use your brain, figure this shit out. And this one's yeah. like, uh, use your brain to figure this sh- shit out, but um, kick that guy in this way and so, poison that one. Un- and yeah. Unsighted one? I, I think Unsighted wins. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, uh, Unsighted didn't put a sour taste in my mouth in the way that Deathloop did. Hey, I'll take it. Uh, Surprise. Uh, okay, God. R- we have six minutes. Ratchet and Clank versus Resident Evil Village. Is Ratchet and Clank the one that like the listeners sunk in on us? Yeah, I think probably. It's for kids. No. No, I'm just kidding. I'm absolutely I'm absolutely kidding. Ratchet and Clank is a uh uh is a stunning, stunning visual tour de force that is doing uh, a really, you know what it is? It feels like one of the best proofs of concept in terms of like, you know, we, we talk about there being sort of like a cap on graphics fidelity where like eventually you run into, you don't have the resources to process it and you don't have the visual fidelity. Like we don't have the ability to distinguish whatever. Um, Ratchet and Clank is a really good argument for the way that like computing power can still like improve mechanics and like the way that, that that you can like where there's still room to grow where you don't even like notice it because i feel like that area of games has been a lot more stagnant where like once it starts doing things like instantly sucking you between dimensions and stuff like that you realize like oh i've been sort of like uh, uh, you know, I've gotten used to the way things have worked before, and it really feels like a cool uh, shakeup. And it's, yeah, it's an I, alternate. I, u- it's an alternate universe where Knack was really good. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking, Griffin. Yeah, I it's. I mean, it's, it's like it's like Mark Cerny's Fever Dream, where he's like, all these teraflops are going to make a game look so fucking good that you're going to shit your pants. And then you play Knack, and you're like, uh, Mark. But then you play Ratchet and Clank, <laughs> you're like, yes, you did it. Yes, <laughs> Mark, the, the shit's in there, bud. You did it. Uh, it it is very good. They make some really good refinements to the Ratchet and Clank format with like rocket boot cyst. Like our, the rocket boots are really cool. You know, there were story beats that I like. Were I was attached to. I like the new characters. Uh, it is you know definitely tonally for younger folks. Unquestionably, it is a very good game that doesn't feel necessarily the most modern outside of the visuals. It feels kind of like a you know taking a, a lot from game. the PS2, PS3 right, yeah. era. Um, and that's not a bad thing. It's It, it makes for like kind of a lighter experience. Um, it's, the, it's the best one of those. It's certainly the best one of those. I, I would agree with that. Um, um, and it, it and is definitely one of the best, if not the best looking PS5 game around. I would argue um, by extension, maybe one of the best looking games ever made. It's the only yeah. It's the only game I played this year. I was like, holy sh- fucking shit. Yeah. I cannot believe this is a, a thing that I am playing and experiencing and not like a tech demo like pixar style thing uh, i yeah. know that we're getting to the end of it uh, i think we should save our feelings about resident evil for the next round it's an, well i mean it's the best resident yeah, evil of all I, time I agree. <laughs> uh that's village go. we should clarify that's village and not for vr uh um, yeah which yeah. argument there there is an argument you made there <laughs> yeah i know listen i gotta bounce i need you to wrap the show up without me but let me say this. Let me get my honorable mention real quick. 
Kingdom Two Crowns has been absorbing so much of my time. It's so good. Um, if you've never played it, you're a monarch and you're on a, you know, you're on horseback, you get other mounts if you're interested, but you are, uh, it, it's like a 2d side scroller where there are evil forces called greed that are coming to destroy your village and take all your money. And you're earning money that you then use to, uh, hire people around town and to build up your defenses and to, grow crops that you earn money from and to uh, find sages that can help you improve your, your village and all this stuff. And it is literally like you are running back and forth between the, the, the monsters are coming from both sides. So you are running back and forth between these two sides of your village, trying to like buffer your defenses and prepare for like the nightly onslaught of, of greed coming to take your, your money and destroy your shit. Um, and it is, and you're trying to basically destroy the portals that the bad dudes are coming through, uh, by building up your, your forces and travel from Island to Island, like wiping the greed out and kind of starting fresh each time. But it is, I've been playing on iPad actually, weirdly, it was like a plain game for me, but you, I paired the Xbox controller to it, which is a lot easier than it was five years ago. The last time I tried to do that, it's pretty easy um, now. I don't know if it will still be by the time this episode comes out, but it was free last weekend on I on App Did you play it? I downloaded it. I have not played it yet. I played. I accidentally played the original Kingdom after your recommendation, which I did not love as much. But yeah, Two Crowns was free. Might still be. I don't know. Anybody been playing Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon? No, I haven't. Is it good? Gang, really? It's fun as shit. Uh, I'm not very good at it, but it's real good. Imagine, uh, you know, it looks like a puzzle game. There is a, you know, 10 by 10 or whatever grid that pieces fall down on. The pieces are uh, enemies or potions or treasure chests. And like, you can guess what each one of those things do. Uh, And you control Shovel Knight or any of the knights as you unlock them while playing through the campaign. Uh, And like the core mechanic of the puzzliness is if you hit uh, one of those things that falls down right if you hit a certain type of enemy that is connected to other of that same type of enemy you can chain them so like any damage you do to one you do to all the others they can deal damage back to you uh and you have to basically clear out this board before it fills up or before you are killed by the enemies as you wait for like an exit door to fall down into the thing uh and you earn currency that you can use to unlock like relics and you know consumable items that you can use that will then show up while you're playing and it's roguelike so that if you die or you get the board filled up at any point, uh, you start right back over from the very beginning as you work your way through a series of levels uh, with different types of enemies and an escalating like danger. Uh, and you unlock other characters as you go and each character has like certain things like Shovel Knight, uh, more potions show up for Shovel Knight, Plague Knight, uh, you know, you poison enemies as you hit them, uh, Spectre Knight, uh, heals when he does damage but also is hurt whenever he picks up potions that i mean that's about it but it is so challenging and so like frantic in a way that like now i have played a few dozen rounds of it i'm getting really fast at it and you know keeping up a combo meter and unlocking a bunch of new cool shit and like what are you playing figuring on? out how to survive switch switch yeah it's it's it is uh i play i was up to like midnight last night just like it is a very good one more run style game, and I uh, I've been really liking it. Plant. 
Well, I thought I I want to hear what you. What no, you I want to. I want you to do yours first. Uh oh. Okay. Okay. I I I have a movie to share. It's a snobby art movie, but I'm serious. Everybody should go see it. It's called Drive My Car. Unless you don't want to go to the theater, then don't go see it because that's okay. I'm sure it'll be streaming soon. Drive My Car. It's an adaptation of a Haruki Murakami short story. It is, in fact, not short. It's about three hours. But I laughed. I cried. I cried. And I cried. Cried a lot during this movie. Probably my favorite movie of the year. Very beautiful. I hope people go see it. So is the Murakami short story attention. also called Drive My Car? No, the I don't think so. It, it's in that um that more recent collection he had, the Men Without Women. Men Without collection. Women, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it is great. Also, I, I've just been loving adaptations of Murakami. Like this and Burning both cut out some of his not as great uh, habits in writing. Or it makes them more palatable. So that that's pretty good. How about you, Frush? What have you been enjoying? I've been enjoying a movie called Rafifi. Uh-huh. Which is a French noir film from 1955. Yeah. I, mean, I wish Justin was here. <laughs> People would um, well, probably recall, and I've certainly heard it on Twitter, that I give Chris Plan a lot of shit for uh-huh. bringing like, really snobby art films as recommendations. It should be noted... Chris and I have known each other for 20 years. That has been a consistent mainstay for those 20 years. Mm-hmm. So um, nothing yeah, yeah, has don't changed. Don't worry about me. He's very confident in himself and his choices. <laughs> it, there's nothing I could say or do that would make him remove that. And to that extent, I've brought my own snobby art, a snobby art film, which is actually incredibly entertaining. Um, where Fifi it's on Criterion is based, Channel, I'm pretty sure. It, on, it is streaming on the Criterion Channel, if you uh, subscribe to that. Um, it is basically the original um, heist movie that all heist movies have sort of borrowed from to, uh, yeah. in terms of structure and format. Four men plan a jewel heist out of a French uh, jewelry store, and it's very intricate, and, um, and then uh, things happen after that. Um, but if you, so Frush sent me a, a picture of just the word Rafifi, and I thought this can't be the movie. There's no way that he has learned to like good things. This must be some like children's music that he wants me to Google. Yeah, that's Rafi, but I can understand. I know. I'm genuinely shocked and happy to know that you um, uh, from people that nice again. Things. I know, I know it's a little intimidating because it's a French noir mil- movie from 1955, but if you dig Reservoir Dogs... Word, that's not the word I would use. That's not the word I would use. Boring? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's probably the one I would use. Okay, I'm just saying, if you like Reservoir Dogs, if you like Ocean's Eleven, if you like yeah. those sorts of movies, this very much was the progenitor to those movies. So if you ever want to see that and be entertained, there's a 30-minute completely silent heist sequence in this movie that is fucking awesome so highly recommend it snobby art film over this rules do you want to thank some people fresh yes thank you to the following people for writing reviews on apple podcast prior z thousand autumns wet squad gamma ray 18 and bale xander 667 thank you for writing reviews on apple Podcasts, as well as everyone else who has written reviews thank you as well um i would name you all but it would take I think Thousand Autumns is is a not David Mitchell. Whoever whoever left that, good job. Excited for the Matrix now with a great writer writing the Matrix. Anyway, mm. we're getting back into Snobby Town. Here are the winners. I'm just the winners. The winners of this 
around Metroid Dread, Wildermyth, Halo Infinite, Monster Hunter Rise, Inscription, Forza Horizon 5, Unsighted, Resident Evil Village. We also talked about Kingdom Two Crowns and Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon. And And refuse to drive my car. (laughs) Not games. So yeah, the next episode that you hear of this show will be us Mm -hmm. pitting those eight games against each other and seeing who comes out on top. This was a this is one of the more surprising first part of the goatee process for me. Yeah, exciting. Yeah, the games that, that made it through. Um but yeah, that'll be next week. And that'll be our last episode of the year. Last episode of the year. Yes. So um, please join us again for that. And thank you for listening and adding your submissions to this list. We were pretty critical this time. But again, all of these games are good. We just have to, you know, we got to be, we got to be tough choices. choices. Uh, So you can follow us at the besties pod uh, or you can leave a really nice review uh on apple podcast we, we love nice reviews especially this time of the year it's the giving season yeah so join us again next week as we 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 wrap this this bad boy up and then enter a drought of unimaginable proportions uh <laughs> but then at some point there will be cool games to talk about. hey griffin i did have a question before we wrap yeah. up yeah shouldn't the best friends pick the world's best game you messed it up oh my gosh I did i with it shouldn't the okay. world's best friend oh yeah pick the world's best game it's, it, uh, it could not matter less goodbye everybody bye bye